Good evening and welcome to the 10th episode of the Two Mics Out podcast. I'm Joe. And I'm Chris. And tonight, of course, we're starting with our Medal of Honor recipient. And tonight we're going with Master Sergeant Stanley Adams. He was in the Korean War with the 1st Platoon, Company A, 1st Battalion, 19th Infantry Regiment, 24th Infantry Division, U.S. Army. Master Sergeant Adams, Company A, distinguished himself by conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity above and beyond the call of duty in action against an enemy. At, at approximately 0100 hours, Master Sergeant Adams' platoon, holding an outpost some 200 yards ahead of his company, came under a determined attack by an estimated 250 enemy troops. Intense small arms, machine gun, and mortar fire from three sides pressed the platoon back against a main line against the main line of resistance. Observing approximately 150 hostile troops silhouetted against the skyline, advanced against his platoon. Master Sergeant Adams leaped to his feet urged his men to fix bayonets, and he, with 13 members of his platoon, charged this hostile force with indomitable courage. Within 50 yards of his enemy, Master Sergeant Adams was knocked to the ground when pierced in the leg by an enemy bullet. He jumped to his feet and, ignoring his wound, continued on to close with the enemy when he was knocked down four times from the concussion of grenades which had bounced off his body, silhouetted against his, excuse me, shouting orders, he charged the enemy positions and engaged them in hand-to-hand -hand combat, where man after man fell before his terrific onslaught with bayonet and rifle butt. After nearly an hour of vicious action, Master Sergeant Adams and his comrades rounded the fanatical foe, killing over 50 and forcing the remainder to withdraw. Upon receiving orders that his battalion was moving back, he provided cover fire while his men withdrew. Master Sergeant Adams' superb leadership, incredible courage, and consummate devotion to duty so inspired his comrades that the enemy attack was completely thwarted saving his battalion from possible disaster. His sustained personal bravery and indomitable fighting spirit against an overwhelming odds reflected utmost glory upon himself and uphold the finest traditions of the infantry and military service. Now that is something that it's hard to fathom. Like I hear all these stories and stuff like that back in the Korean War and all the time any other wars it's just like it, it's hard to believe that uh, a human being can, can do that or withstand that much stuff and, and have the courage to face down you know everybody. there's 13 guys against 250 I mean that's insane yeah and talking about a determined enemy like they may have been determined but in the end they won the day because of our determination or his determination as an American soldier in that. And I guess the, the, the word that stuck out to me was mentioned twice in here 
was silhouetted. Um, we talk about that. We're, we're scouts. We do reconnaissance work. And like, like they say in Star Wars, you want to hold the high ground, right? Yeah. But that doesn't mean being right on top of the hill. Mm-hmm. You don't want to silhouette yourself against any backlighting. You know, you don't want to make yourself a target to the enemy. Um, you know, I, obviously, I don't know the situation there, but it said it silhouetted the enemy against whatever they were, was behind them. Mm-hmm. So clearly they were visible to Master Sergeant Adams and his company. And uh, I, I, I don't know if that gave him the edge or not, but it definitely I'm sure it helps. sounds like it played a role in it. Yeah. That's not like, too, I think about, like, just think, I... I just think about like going hand to hand with the enemy. Yeah. Killing people with a fuck with a bayonet. It's just like it's hard to imagine that, I guess, in this day and age. You know, I mean that that was routine back then with those guys, but that was they trained with that stuff. I don't even oh, know yeah. what they do with bayonet training anymore, you know? Yeah. I remember bayonet training and it was it was definitely one of those things where it's like even coming up through training in 2006 it was like you know what are the odds i'm gonna have to bayonet somebody in a country like iraq um but it was still one of those things where i took seriously because it's like well when it comes down to it like you're gonna have to be able to drive a knife into something that's funny actually to say that because and and i know from the last podcast we talked about i was reading about face and he goes over a story about um and i told you about it i think not on the podcast. But, yeah. Um, I can't. Mrs. Mrs. Lump Lump, or I think it's Lump Lump, whatever. That's what we're going to say. But basically, her son is writing to her, doing uh, bayonet training and, and basic training, and um, writes to her saying that it's it's hard and tough and everything. And so she writes to the um, her congressman and says, Well, why is my son being trained on, on this? bayonet training because it's, it's too harsh and too uh, inhumane yeah well okay that's you know goes to the congressman the congressman comes back and tells the, the army school hey you guys are done doing bayonet training because it's too inhumane for the troops and then they stop doing it and then mr lump or private lump lump gets to korea and has to fight hand-to-hand combat like this with a uh, bayonet but since he wasn't properly trained, he didn't know how to put it on, and he got killed. Yeah. Um, and then the, the mother writes to the, his platoon saying, well, why didn't he have proper training? Why did he, why'd you get my son killed? Yep. And I mean, that's a real real thing that, like, you, you don't get to pick and choose. Like, you, it's, it's war. You're killing human beings. You're going to learn how to kill yeah. with a knife, and that's... It's what it is. And that's where I think it's it's interesting. Like, we think about hand-to-hand combat. We think about it, like, back in the day, right, when it was hand-to-hand combat weapons. And obviously our weapons have gotten greater where we can keep more of a distance between us and the enemy. But that's not always the case. Like, I mean, I wasn't in any of it, but when they talk about, you know, fighting room to room through these cities in Iraq or these, uh, these villages in Afghanistan, like they were face to face with the enemy mm-hmm. for sure. And like I did convoy security. So we were, we were always at a distance. Like I never expected anybody to like climb on our truck and attack us. But at the same time, like 
you you never know what you're going to run into. Exactly. That's so, why you need to be prepared for every every scenario. I mean, yeah. And and because you you don't want to skip some sort of training or some sort of whatever because you think it's not relevant or it's too inhumane for you. I mean, I, I don't know. I just we're trained killers. We're supposed to kill people. That's what the bottom line. I mean, I want to be as lethal as I can. So that and that's what it comes down to. Like, how effective are you in combat? Um, you know, it, you want to obviously do things as humane as possible, and you know, within the context of the fight, you know, manage manage the the battle situation. Um, but there are times, you know, you may end up face to face with a guy, and if you can't look well, him in the eyes, like Dakota Meyer, or you know, anything oh, exactly. Like that. So it's like. You, if you are in combat, not even combat arms, if you were in the military, and you know you know what you signed up for, military is not Boy Scouts. <laughs> you need to be willing to bash a motherfucker's head in with a rock if you have to. You yeah, know? I mean it. It's gruesome and rough to say, but why else would you would you join something? I mean, you know. Yeah, and on that note, um, if you don't know what we're talking about, go on YouTube, listen to one of. Uh, Dakota Myers, um, one of his talks about the battle in which he earned the the Medal of Honor. Um, you know, he probably never same thing. Probably never imagined being face to face, going hand to hand with his enemy. And here he was on a mountainside, one of the one of the only men left capable of fighting. And he talks about it very graphically. And which is good. Like, we we can't be, you know, sheltered from acts of violence. You have sheltered, to be sheltered from the horrors of war because war is not. Mm-hmm. It's not glorious. You know, it's 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 horrible war. People are killing each other. It's not. It's not something. You know. Yeah, and and, and you can't shelter yourself from that. If you especially, like, if you're a civilian and you know you never plan on going to combat, that, that's one thing. But if you, well, I mean, technically yes and no because, let's say a civilian that's never been in the military, but they have a family they're going to protect. Oh you yeah, know, you have to be willing to be violent, for sure. You know whether you're military or not, but obviously yes, military is more uh, geared towards what we're talking about here because yeah. you're signing up to go potentially put your life on the line for your country. Yeah. Well, I guess segueing into that, you know. If you're at the point in your life, you're willing to be a mother, you're willing to be a father, now you're not living for yourself anymore. There is something now in this world that means more to you than anything else. You have to be willing to protect them at all costs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where society is trying to get away from that, like, Oh, you know, we have to be gentle and we have to be, you know, kind to everyone. Like, yes, that's great for your average person. But there's people in this world that that honestly want to do you harm. And if somebody's kicking in your door at 1.30 in the morning, whether they're searching for, you know, monetary goods, TV, whatever they're looking for, 
that's that's your property and and the way i guess the way i've always looked at it is i'm there to provide my kids a peace of mind if they're if they're sleeping in their beds at night and somebody breaks into our house no matter what happens that's going to have a lasting effect on them they're going to carry that with them the rest of their lives if you're a, a husband or a wife a mother or a father and you're not willing to deal with that if you're not willing to stand up against that when it comes into your house what kind of outlook outlook is your kid going to have on you going forward and have on life in general going forward that's where i've always thought I, I don't care if somebody breaks into my house in the middle of the night i'm gonna assume they're there to do harm yep. and i'm gonna do everything in my power to make sure that my kids understand if something like that happens they are number one on my priority and i am going to destroy mm -hmm. whoever comes through that door no matter the cost yep and, and that's why I, I can't understand especially being a parent i can't understand people that have kids <clears throat> and don't care about like what they're doing or like you see i saw a video of a toddler getting just crawling on the sidewalk because the parent was i'm assuming drugged out somewhere and it's like yeah how is something more important than your kid i don't that i'll never understand yeah um, and, and having your priorities in line is definitely like the top priority um i heard a story one time of some guy who he was in yellowstone by the the um Geyser? The boiling, yeah, the geysers, where though the water is obviously more than a person can stand, melts your flesh right off your bone. Yep, and his his dog jumped in, and dude jumped in after his dog and to to save him, and they both died. Like, it's it's great that that guy had a a reason to jump in. You know, his his dog obviously meant enough to him in this world that he. Um, he was able he was willing to risk his own life to save him um like I, I love animals i love cats i love dogs i love you know they're great companions they they serve a purpose but at the same time um like i i've got a dog and a cat right now i i couldn't see myself sacrificing myself knowing what else i have to live yeah. for in this world yeah but a, a child Man, you don't you don't want to cross me and my child. If yeah. if you're gonna get in my way and, and put my child in danger, no matter the cost, I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep them safe. Yeah. And I was kind of to go back on what we were talking about a little bit. A big motivator for me, like staying healthy and staying fit right now, is mm -hmm. your kids are growing up seeing everything you're doing. So you don't want your kid to question like or see you not at your full potential you know so yeah. you want you, you they're always learning and watching you so you want to make sure you're the the baddest meanest strongest person that they have to look up to because yeah if, if you if you're starting to take shortcuts you know miss a couple of days here working out a couple of days there you know oh, i don't want to do, go too hard today well now not only are you cheating yourself but you're cheating your kid in you know what they see you as and, and what they I don't think they'd be able to reach their full potential knowing that you know well my dad didn't do it so why do I have to or yeah. you know. 
Yeah. And, and, and that's just like you're setting an example for them. Even if, you know, nothing like that ever happens. But, you know, say more minor things happen. They need to know that. I'm going to put this poncho on. Cool. Yep. Um, they need to know that if anything were to happen, like you're absolutely there for them 100%. Um, that's where I, I couldn't imagine ever just giving up or ever just laying down to whatever the odds are. Obviously there's, there may be situations where you may, you might fake like, you know, you're giving in to whoever's around you because of the odds or whatever. But at some point you need to stand up and it, it may not always go in your favor, but just having, I don't know, having that will to fight. I mean, kind of what, and I don't know, I don't think you want to watch Game of Thrones. No, but at the end of the season, when Ned Stark basically just, just, I mean, he's got a family, you know, he has his own kingdom, but yeah. he just takes it and gets beheaded and he knows what's happening. He just takes it like thinking, thinking that he's doing it better, you know, for to yeah. save his family and stuff. But he, I don't know, you, that's like just giving up, I guess, and not, not really fighting for your family. Yeah. And be, and be, and let, let's not get this construed. Like, just do I know? Being, being, <laughs> being willing to sacrifice yourself is one thing versus throwing in the towel. Like, there, you, there may come the situation in your life where doesn't matter what's going to happen, you, you may pay the ultimate price. How is that going to portray to those around you? You know. Are you going to charge a gunman at that point, knowing full well that you're gonna, you know, you're gonna pay the price for it, versus laying down and letting them basically execute you? Um, I, I I don't know if I mentioned that on this on last podcast or not, but um, I changed careers this year. I'm I'm working as a teacher now, and. You know, I'm obviously just getting to know my students. I haven't been doing this very long, but you you form these bonds with these kids, whether they're yours or someone else's. Um, obviously, you want to be as um, you want you want to keep the upper hand as long as possible. But when it comes down to it, like somebody's gonna break into my school, like I'm gonna do everything in my power to make sure. I save the lives of as many kids as possible. Like, yeah, you know, it, it may, like I said, may not go your way, but it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's about how you go about, you know, like you said, it basically it comes down to either you stand up and fight or you, you, you cover and, and hide. Yeah. And it's hard to say because a lot of people, don't know what they would do until they're in that situation because yeah, you just don't. That's fair. And I don't know. I mean, I, I've seen it. I've seen it on my deployment. Um, I've seen people break. I've seen people that you wouldn't think are strong or strong. And I've seen people you thought were good or, you know, just really weak. But 
You know, it all depends on, on the individual person, but you have to be willing to. What this all comes back to is you join the you join the army. You have to be willing to be that type of person yeah. in that situation. Sure. And with this army nowadays, having uh, um, what do you call it? Chest feeding. Um, birthing parents. Birthing parents. I think we're going in the wrong direction. That, that's my opinion. It's, it's no longer about who's the most effective in combat. It's now, well, how can we appeal to as many people as possible and not hurt their feelings? And here's the other thing, too. And I don't, I'm, I'm assuming it was the same way for you. When I was growing up and I like, saw anything about the Army or basic training, I knew it wasn't going to be a Boy Scout thing. I knew it was yeah. like a hard-ass you know, you're going to get yelled at, you're going to get made fun of, you're going to have your feelings hurt, but it makes you, um, you know, it makes you a man. And, and, and I think that's the difference these days. Like, I went into it knowing I'm going to get probably mentally and physically abused. And, like, as bad as that may sound, it made me the person I am today. Well, and it's to a point. So, like, no... Yes, is there some bad apples in there? Obviously, but yeah. where is that? That's everywhere. Your drill sergeants are not there to make you really feel like it didn't really hurt you, like actually hurt you or, or saying things on purpose to make you feel bad. They're saying them to break you down, to build you up and mold you into a, a killer. But yeah. nowadays, <laughs> I don't even know. I've watched some videos like... It literally is like camp now. This street, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's just like, it's unreal. And even my so my brother went, what, I don't know, six years after I went or something like that. Yeah. And even that, well, I mean, it's not very long of a time period. It's a lot of shit changed. And even from when he went to what they have now has changed a lot. And even, even when I went in, I went in in 2000, I went to basic training in 2006. Like, I didn't expect it to be crazy. But at the same time, the whole time I was going through basic training, like, yeah, the physical part sucks. Like, the no sleeping sucks. But, like, you know, I, I went in knowing that's part of the game, right? So, but even when we'd get smoked, even when, you know, we were doing whatever sucked at the time, I came out of it thinking, like, really, that's that's it? That, like, that's all they're going to throw at us? And... You know, I, I I don't want to make it sound like it was a cakewalk, and it, it definitely wasn't, like, as hard as it could have been. But at the same time, like, I was I was a very physically fit 18, 19-year-old going into basic training. My thought was, like, okay, they're, they're supposed to be training us to be killers, which I felt confident coming out of basic training. Like, okay, I feel good going into combat, whatever. But at the same time, basically what you did, right? Yeah, basically. But at the same time, I felt like, yeah, they may have prepared me enough, but I expected more. And I like, I don't know how to reconcile that with any of the training that's gone on in the past, because obviously I wasn't there. But it it, it just it felt like, well, I'm prepared, but not to the point I could be for sure. And this kind of goes into what we were talking about earlier tonight. So we were having a uh, basically a Christmas party today. Yeah. Um, good time. Did some bowling. Yep. Had some drinks out with, with the guys. Um, basically, 
there's a lot of young guys that haven't deployed and talking to them and like letting them know that your deployment can be shitty and be really bad and have really bad times but it's the guys that make it make it worth everything yeah yeah like yeah same thing I, when I was overseas like it wasn't a cakewalk it wasn't you know it wasn't an Air Force deployment to Air of John. Or, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it also wasn't difficult. And I only say that because, like, oh, no, I went into it with a mindset different from most people. I, I, I mentioned this in an earlier podcast. I had one buddy that we did basic training together. We did AIT together. We did both deployments together. We both had very, very similar experiences, some different because like I got into firefights a little earlier than he did. Um, but we saw generally the same things. Me and him, I was in his truck for his first engagement that he had with the enemy and saw all the same things he did. He was on the gun, I was driving for him. But, you know, basically the same experiences throughout our first three, four years of the military. And he came out, it, it, it wore on him after the fact. And I don't know if that was because of the way we grew up or because of our mental state or how just, you know, we handle things. I, I don't know. Well, I think, I think we talked about it. It's how you handle it and how you prepare yourself for it and how you feed off the other guy like i guess the, what i really like about it that kind of like the military and stuff is what the bond is everybody's going through the same stuff together yeah so you come out of it stronger yeah because you're not alone going through these things. yeah and so but yeah so i'd uh i i had a i'd go for drinks with him a couple times and like i enjoy his company i love the guy um but at the same time, it, it was still hard to, it was, it was, it was kind of hard to connect with him just because we'd go out drinking and, you know, people tend to get in their emotions when they're drinking. And I, I do too, but we, we, we'd get to the point where, you know, we had a few drinks and he'd start to ask me like, how do you deal with this so well? How do you, how do you make it through this? And. I'd, I'd always told them, like, I honestly have no idea. Like, I don't know if it's the way I, we were brought up differently or or what, but I just I have a different perspective mm -hmm. on life and how things should go versus how they do go. And and I, I there's plenty of bad experiences where I could have taken them and said, this is trauma from my experiences. And I took them and, and basically said, like, this is life. This is this is how things go. I signed up to be a warrior. I signed up during the height of the war, both in Iraq and Afghanistan, knowing full well and, and hoping mm -hmm. that I was going to get deployed to combat at some time. And w whatever my, um, my reasons for it at the time, um, Partially was like I wanted to prove me to, but I wanted to prove myself to myself that I could, 
you know, do man things, do do the things that our warriors in the past have done. Um, I seen a jackal clip, and I really liked it because he was talking about somebody asked him why or you know why did he join the military? Yeah, and he's like, I'd love to tell you it's for patriotic purposes, yeah, yep, or whatever. Yep. And, and then, but in reality, it's because as a kid he played soldier he played army yep he wanted to shoot a machine gun he wanted to go to war he wanted to fight people and kill yep. people and it ain't that you want to kill people it's just that he, you want to he he saw what the life of a commando was yeah i i, I know what you're talking exactly. about he, he saw what a commando was and he said i want to be a commando whatever that means like i want to do that yeah and 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 that's a lot of it like i've, I've heard other people talk about this on how um men these days don't have a rite of passage right like you go through high school you do your sports whatever you try to get a scholarship to college for academic sports whatever you join college you do your sports you do your academics and then you get into the workforce well what does that mean i've, I've got a bachelor's degree i've never thought it was anything special it's a piece of paper that you bullshit your way through four years of schooling to get yep. and then you join the workforce like whoop de do, um, and, and and like I don't want to put the military on the same level, but like just joining the military was kind of it's one of those things like well you know everyone should do it it's it's should be what's expected of you as a man in society, mm-hmm. but at the same time it's like, but but what does being a man mean, you know like, does it mean you, you provide for your family? Absolutely. Does it mean you provide a stable household and stu- and uh, you know the financial means for your family? Absolutely. It it means all of that. And it it means like to be a man is to be willing to sacrifice it in, in my eyes. Like as much as people don't like roles in society or gender roles, like we do have our innate biological roles. The women raise the children. They, they nurture them. They make sure that they survive to the point where the men can take over at that point and raise them to be protective, productive members of society. And and don't get us wrong here. We're not saying that all women need to be the, nurturing care it's it, right. but, but it's it is a biological thing and is there women out there that can beat my ass absolutely and there's there's, so. they're stronger than me they're you know faster but when it comes down to it you are hardwired one way yeah or the other you know yeah. it's it's like that thing if you get stranded on an island what are the men going to do they're going to go hunt they're gonna go do everything like that. The women, they're gonna get working on shelters and and gathering and stuff like that. Yeah, it's not. We're not. We're not being sexist here or anything like that. It's just. It is what it is. <clears throat> yeah, you can't deny. And, and, and we're not, yeah, and we're not saying that women can't go hunt. You know, with the men. Just, just saying that. The, well, like, like, like they say, generally, people are going to fall into the roles that biologically through the years have said this is your role and 
obviously there 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 are going to be women that are better than us at certain roles and there are men that are going to be better at things than women um but the majority of them it's, it's not not the case yeah they're not we're not bashing women to say that they're not as equal to men or anything like that it's just well they're, they're definitely equally important yeah, and exactly just in different ways yeah um something i wanted to touch on it's not i mean kind of not really goes into this was like lead like good leadership that i've seen in the army um and right now i will we'll just doesn't have to be named or anything but the readiness NCO that we have right now is top notch. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't ask for a better guy to look out for you as far as you know furthering your career, making sure that everything's in order that you 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 know it, earn earn what you deserve. Yeah, and and that's as that type, and not just a readiness NCO, but as an NCO. You need to be more most focused on the welfare of your soldiers and making sure they're receiving the proper training and being taken care of. Now the army is one thing; it's like, yeah, you got to follow certain things and you have to complete whatever they ask of you, but not at the expense of someone's career or uh, a soldier's well-being. Um, it, yeah, and there, there's good ones and there's bad ones, like. Not naming anybody, but somebody came up to us tonight and said, hey, I've got this situation with my first line leader. Mm-hmm. How do you think I should handle it? And it, it's, I I think it's great that, you know, me personally and, that a soldier and, and come, you. Come to you? Yeah, that he's, he's comfortable coming to me with an honest situation that he has because obviously it's wearing on him. The, this guy, he's worried about his future in the military. He's worried about how he's going to look to his fellow soldiers because what it comes down to in the end is like, how do you portray yourself to others? He doesn't want to look like a piece of shit. He doesn't want to look like a guy who's not motivated to be here doing his job, but happens to have a leader who doesn't see that in him right now. Mm-hmm. Well, and, not- and who is verbally announcing it to every time they can hang around you know yeah where it's just i don't know it, it's hard for me because i it's it's really black and white for me of how to be an nco and not a lot of people like that because once they get their stripes they are power trip hungry and and they just they don't give a shit yeah and i, I think too many fe- people fall into the the wheelhouse of like what does the army require of you versus what what do you need to get out of this organization and what do you have to offer this organization mm-hmm. because there's there's plenty of great guys out there that want to do a great job they want to be um, they want to be there for their soldiers their fellow soldiers they want to do a good job they they want to do the right thing and they're being suppressed because that's not what the army is focusing on right now. Like you mentioned, well, all these all these social justice things as well. Well, I was just saying, oh, you mean like not getting the shot, not getting the jab? Yeah, not not getting the vaccine, 
um, referring to um, women chest feeding instead of breastfeeding and birthing parents. It's oh, like yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, all all that crap. Like, yeah, and, society and, is what it is. And here, and this, this, I don't even care if this ruffles feathers, but I don't give a shit about transgenders. I don't think that is that is a mental issue, a mental dis disabled mental disability that has no place in the army. If somebody comes in wanting to be a, a transgender, you are not mentally enough prepared to be a, a soldier in the military. Well, uh, I, was, I was talking to one of the guys today who's going through a medical program through college. Um, he was telling me on how he's had friends he's grown up with and since as early as I can remember, they, they've been quote-unquote gay like they've been attracted to the same sex like whatever like like you do you but he said most of the trans like most of the transgender people that he knows were just gay. that well that thought has come because of trauma that they've experienced and they're young they don't know what they're doing Impressionable, and society is pushing this narrative yep. on people that don't have a fully developed understanding of what it is that they're being told to do. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. And so, I don't know. We've got to. We we've got the we've got to pull back this facade of, oh, everything that these kids think is the right thing. Like no. Kids are stupid. And that's another thing. 20-year-olds, young 20-year-olds are stupid. Yeah. Well, you're not fully developed until you're 25 anyway, right? Yeah, or whatever. So 25, 27, somewhere yeah. in there. So, like, what? it's like, <clears throat> I, I can't, I'm pretty sure my uncle's head said this to me. My uncle said this to me once was, like, obviously bullying is not something that, you know, is, is good. Is, I don't want to say good. Bullying is not something that. It's not this is just something that should be accepted. But kids need to have a time in their life where they get bullied by somebody to experience that what the world is like. Like well, you can't be sheltered from that kind of stuff. Like you have to have exposure to you know like 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 anything else. How do you know how to deal with a bully if you've never dealt with a bully? Exactly. Like same thing, it, it, like they can train you for combat as, as effectively as they want to. How do you know how to deal with incoming rounds until you receive incoming rounds? Yep. There are plenty of guys who are, like you said, solid dudes. Like seem like they were top of their game, and when the you know when shit starts hitting the fan, like they fold, which is like whatever. It, it's it, not, it is it's what not it is. Mark against somebody because nope. you don't know how you're gonna respond to something. Yeah. I was gonna also go off and say, um, reeling it back, I guess, to when we we're talking about readiness NCO and and being an NCO. Like right now, I personally have the probably the best platoon sergeant I've ever had in my entire life because he's all about you know he's fair with his troops. Yep. Um, you know, if you're doing the right thing. He's going to do the right thing for you. Yeah. And again, another thing, what it comes back to is literally caring about your soldier more than your army career or what the army wants or, you know, any of that stuff. Because at the end of the day, in your combat, those are the guys that are going to be there to watch your back, just like you're watching their back. 
Yeah. And like, I'll drop his first name because you know who you are. Eric. Hope you're listening to this today. Yeah. Well, yeah, today. Today's... Yeah. You've been fucking awesome, man. You're going to be sorely missed. Like, yeah, like you said, we don't have leaders like you anymore. Yeah. Well, hey. We are the last of a dying breed, let me tell you. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not to pitch my book in the middle of it, but <laughs> I gotta plug it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's true. I mean it's they, they, they don't make them like you anymore. Somebody who's who's willing to not deal with the bullshit in order to take care of your guys. So Yeah, I guess from the bottom of our heart, thank you for all you've done for us. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Let's just keep rolling in on it. I mean, tonight is a, kind of a, a different episode because we had zero prep time. Yeah. And this is just off the cuff. No itinerary. We did our uh, Medal of Honor recipient because that is our our staple, I guess you could say. Yeah. And we like to acknowledge what these people have done because if you have had enough recognition and did what you did to get a medal of honor, you, you deserve to constantly be, you know, talked about and not forgotten. Yeah. Your name should be brought up as often as possible. So people have something to look up to. Yes. Someone to aspire to be. And you know what? You don't have to sign up for the military. You don't have to go fight in a war to be this caliber of person. This just happens to be in our wheelhouse. We know what type of person this is. You may be a business owner. You may be a teacher. You may be a, a police officer. You may be, be doing whatever you are doing in life. It doesn't take going to war to be this caliber of person. And, you know, I, I don't want to take anything away from anybody who has never signed up to join the military. You know, not everybody's cut out for it. You know what? If I were an accountant, I'd fucking kill myself. <laughs> but you know what? We sure as hell need accountants. Yeah. Because people are good with well, numbers. People are good with money. We need them. Yeah. Another thing I've seen, too, with back to Jocko is uh, um, somebody just – this wasn't Jocko that said it, I don't think, but the guy he was talking to did. Basically – you don't have to be proud of your job, but you need to be proud of your work. Exactly. So, like, before I just got my new job, I was working in a grocery store, and I fucking hated it. And, yeah, I, I, I didn't feel like, I'm not knocking anybody that works in a grocery store or anything like that, but because, you know, like you said, every job, there's a need for those, someone to do that job. Absolutely. But I didn't feel like I belonged there. I felt like it just was, I guess my talents were wasted, but it didn't stop me from being proud of every single day, you know, doing the best I could, making sure my job was was done to the best of my ability. Yeah. And like my wife says, um, when you get your paycheck, make sure that you, when you, and they, nobody cashes checks anymore, but when you cash your paycheck, make sure that you have earned every you know every cent of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's good points, good. I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, like you said, you don't have to be a service member or a yeah, member. Yeah, that's, that's gender neutral. Take, take, take pride in the work that you do, no matter what it is. People have different capacities for different jobs. Like I said, I could never be an accountant. Some people could never imagine being a soldier. Some people could never be a an EMT on an ambulance. Some people could never be a fisherman off the coast of Alaska. You know, people 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 are made for different things, and and to find what it is that either you're good at or what has meaning to you. Um, yeah, and let me tell you this too. You. Another person I've listened to that's kind of influenced, a little bit of an influence is Gary Vee. I'm sure yep. people have heard of him. But he had said that. And I know, like, we're taught in, in America to get your first job and stay there for 10 years and, and you know, build your resume. Like, so it ain't that crazy with, with different jobs. Yeah. Over the past five years, I've probably had four or five jobs. Yeah. I tend to stay a, a year at every job just so I can, you know, do give them, give them a fair amount of my work. Yeah. But you don't know what you want. If you don't know what you want to do, what, why, you, this was back to Gary Vee. If you don't know what you want to do, just try out different things so you find out what you want to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's where I've been for like, I said the last, I don't know, I guess 10 years technically. Just been doing different odd jobs, or not odd jobs, but different jobs that I, I might have been interested in. Unfortunately, I wasn't interested in any of them as I was working there. But you know, and like you, you know, you found something you absolutely love doing. Yeah, and it's taking you thirty some odd years. So it's like you don't have to find what you want to do right right out of high school. Now, one thing that I I'm going to help with my kids is because I never really had help with this is like I want to get them on a track like what are you interested in okay well I, I my daughter loves planes right now so I always say she's gonna be a pilot I want to be able to help steer her in that direction if that's what she chooses to do but I want her to know that it, her options are limitless she can do whatever she wants and I want to be able to facilitate that with her mine Growing up, I always knew I wanted to be in the military, so that was that. But if you go guard, you have to have a different, you know, have to have a job too. So yeah. <clears throat> that's why I never really had like military side of things was always set in stone that I knew was happening. Now civilian side of things, gotta figure something out. So yeah, I didn't know exactly what I'm gonna do. So <laughs> what have I done? I've tried different things. Like let's see, I was a laborer. I worked for communications company I worked for the post office grocery store factory you don't get around the factory factory is good money but terrible terrible work hated it yeah and some people are made for that yeah. some people like the knowing same, exactly what exactly. they're doing every single day and, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that you know so that's just how your brain's hardwired then Good, good on you. You know, might as well 
do what you love. Play to your strengths. Be, be yeah. proud of what you what you do. Yeah. And that's where, like, I thought, you know, I had gone years and years doing same things you do, different things. Working as a mechanic, working as a welder, working security, you know, doing different different odds and ends jobs, and like. I enjoy learning, so all those things were good. I enjoyed learning how to weld. I enjoyed learning how to work on engines. I enjoyed, you know, learning the ins and outs of businesses and how, you know, to keep them secure and and, and doing emergency management type work. Yeah, um, and, and, and like, kind of like what I said before, I know like they say you're supposed to work so far, you know, work at a place for so long before you move on because you don't want to have a bunch of different things. The way I look at it, now you're mechanic, welder, post office, this, that. You are learning different skills. Oh, you know, you're get, you're building your resume with actual tangible skills rather than saying, oh, yeah. I stayed somewhere for five years. And I, I get where that's important to people because they want to know you're reliable and you're, you're not just going to jump ship. But at the same time, you know, let, let's say you put a year in everywhere you go, like I was doing. That shows you're committed for at least a year, right? In, in, if I was an employer, I'd be like, okay, cool. But yet now you're learning all these different skills. So now your whole toolbox is you know, way more full with life experience and, and different things you know. And that's why I, like, I think the guard works so well together and on deployments and stuff compared to active duty is you got – you know, citizen soldiers that are coming with all of these different skills. You know, you got doctors, teachers, carpenters, postmen, garbage men, truck drivers, electricians, all coming together. They tend know. to have a lot more to offer. Yeah. And yeah, I and, and not tooting my own horn here, but when we were overseas, the SF guys we did, did train with said that they would take guard guys over active any single day. Yeah. Which was cool. And, and, that was and, cool to hear. And yeah, and like we said in the past, like not to detract from anything that anyone else is doing. We definitely need career soldiers. We need people who are at the top of their game in combat, but we also need people that think outside the box. And when, you know, I, I always gave my buddy shit about this at the police department because he was infantry for however many years before he became a cop. I always said, well, like, yeah, that's great, your infantry, but like you get in a situation, what's your answer? Ooh, battle's real one alpha, right? Well, like, <laughs> okay, what happens if that fails, right? Like, you got to be able to think outside the box. And, yep. like, like I said, you, you, you got to have their career warriors for sure. And, well, like, I would like to think of myself as, as, as a competent warrior, but I think that's because beyond what I've been trained in the military. I also grew up on a farm. I grew up hunting. I grew mm -hmm. up tracking. I grew up, you yeah, know. Well, you have life experience yeah, that a lot yeah. of people don't have because if you're in the military, that's all you know if you're, if you're full time. Yeah. But well, and and if anybody wants to argue me with this, argue this to me. I have, a, like, I saw it firsthand. We had, um, we had unload some Chinooks overseas, and we had a telehandler. It was all in Afghani, but. We had one guy that was, um, he grew up, you know, on the farm, country guy, doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. He hopped in that thing like no big deal and unloaded this stuff. 
we didn't have him there, how how were we gonna unload that? You know, that stuff never would have gotten unloaded. Right. All that telehandler driving the side of the fucking ship. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was just neat to see that that actually play out. Because I've always heard that in before I deployed, but then I saw it actually play out, and I was like, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and and the more life skills a unit has to offer when they come into a situation, the better off they're, they're going to be. Like, it, I don't know. It, you're going to have your core leadership that is great at, say, combat. But not everything you do in combat is going to be doctrine. Not everything you do in combat is going to be something that somebody can learn in the first five, ten years of their military career. There are going to be situations that come up where you're going to need some sort of outside experience. Yeah, and that's like uh, what, what the Germans, the Russians, or whatever, that said that Americans don't follow their own doctrine. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, which is true. I mean, it's, it's, you, doctrine's there for a guideline of rules, basically. Yeah. They say, they say, how are we supposed to know what they're doing when they don't even know what they're doing? Exactly. And, and if, I'm sure more of the younger, not younger, I guess, but everybody's seen Black Hawk Down. And if you haven't, go watch it. But that scene when Who talks to him and says, um, you know, everything's fine until that first bullet goes past your head and politics and all that shit goes right out the window. Well, that's true. You know, I mean, you, yeah. you can have it, you can have your plan set. Everything's good. But as soon as you step off, as soon as you get in contact, something is going to get screwed up that you weren't even planning for. Guess what? You can't reach your congressman when shit's in the fan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So to tie that all back together. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. You have to be prepared. Whether you think you're going to use it or not, you have to be prepared for that. Yeah. Now, real quick, also, let me preface preface this by saying that we're going to try and throw an ad in here because our thing says we can put an ad in, and I wanted to see if it actually works. So if you listen this far, apologize for the ad you're going to hear at some point. Uh, just bear with us. We're just we're testing the waters here. I do want to plug Front's Box again. Great organization, or yeah, not an organization. Great business. Great business. Yeah. Um, we got to spend time tonight with his, with uh, Ori and his wife. Um, spending time at the Christmas party is is great to get to hang out with them and and uh, you know on a more personal experience outside of uh, outside of business and yeah. Uh, and if you don't you don't know what it is, the box is the uh, the. Basically, it's uh, take a care package. Care package with with goodies and, and relationship builder things for not only the deployed service member but the home front hero. Um, a lot of good stuff in there. And if you use the code Mission Ready um, through the end of the year, you get twenty percent off. And you can also use the code uh, Two Mics Out, and you'll get eight percent. I think it's twenty percent off. Yeah. The, so yeah, keep that in mind. Check them out. If you don't have to buy anything, but at least check them out. If you um, if you like them, share them. Try one of the boxes. Like I said, all American-made stuff, all good quality. 
and I, I was I was talking to Ori tonight, and um, they just got a new um, was a, a new coffee manufacturer. Oh, I don't know. I, I didn't hear that. I wasn't. Yeah, I, I was in his office after oh, after he left, yeah. but um, they got a new coffee manufacturer who's working with them and and is uh, helping support the business by um, putting their products in his, in their boxes and. Um, I haven't tried it yet. He was he was drinking it in the office. It, it smelled great. Oh, that's um, that coffee he was drinking. Yeah, I saw him making it. Yeah, they had the coffee from Door County, which which I've tried. That was in the box that we bought. Um, really good stuff, and and uh, you know it, it's cool because both of these. Well, one of the coffee companies is is a local business. The other one is a local business that happens to be run by veterans, and uh, you know he's not just taking this as like oh i'm only going to support military vet, military uh run corporations or uh, i should say veteran run corporations um it everything made in the u.s so you know whether whether the people that own it are former prior service or not um he's helping support all these businesses which is great because we, we need more of that we need to bring all of this manufacturing and production back well, to the u.s yeah when we need in america alone we need to come back to the like helping your neighbor type thing that doesn't happen much anymore you yep. know and and this is hard to say because like if i see someone blown tire on the side of the road 90 percent of the time i'm driving right past yeah only because you don't know if it's a a scam or someone's gonna try to mug you or whatever which is sad to think about because uh, you know 50 years ago the first person that saw him pulled over would pull over next to him and help, help him out yeah my 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 wife she hates it because um i've picked up people on the side of the road that are hitchhiking and she hates it because obviously like she doesn't want anything to happen to me and always thinks of that aspect which at the same time, like, yes, absolutely, I think of that, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're probably packing, too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> but, but, real quick, too. Now, when you're alone, makes it different. Would you, yes. Would you pick them up with your kids? In the no, car? absolutely not. Exactly. Okay. And, and, and that's the thing. Like, keep your priorities in order. Obviously, your kids, your family comes first. Um, so I've, I've only ever picked up hitchhikers on my own. But at the same time, I'm trying to... You know, I, whether consciously or subconsciously, restore that little bit of humanity that, like, yep, we're in this together. Um, I'm going to help you out, hoping that you help out someone in the future. Yeah, well, karma coming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I have never picked a picture. I probably won't. No. I, I haven't really seen... I mean, I, yeah, I guess I really haven't seen it. I, what I do see, and I don't feel bad for, is homeless people that say, like, Anything helps, or whatever. I need a, you know, you need a sandwich, and they want money. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, you're protesting, or not protesting, but you're panhandling outside of McDonald's that's hiring. Right. Yeah. Get a job. I, I don't feel sorry for you. I'm sorry. I don't. Yeah. Or you, and I always pick them out too. Like, what kind of shoes do they have? What kind of this do they have? Because yep, yep. You know, but yeah, you're right. A lot of them will say, no, no, I just need cash. Well, why do you need yeah. cash? Why do you? For drugs or for alcohol, whatever, or their fixes. I don't. I don't remember who I was watching, but yeah, they said they they never give food or money to a guy be, to to homeless people anymore because they they gave like ten bucks to a guy 
sitting on the side of the street and he literally walked across the street and bought a fifth of vodka and <laughs> came back and said thanks well it's like well you said you needed this and now you've got vodka so yeah. great so yeah that's the issue with the homeless people that are pan panhandling for nothing that they need <clears throat> um and then back to kind of what we were talking about with American-made products. Um, or was telling me about Origin, that he uh, shot them a couple of emails saying that they should uh, – I can't remember what the first thing he said. He asked them about creatine, though. He said, you guys, don't, you guys should get in the creatine game. Okay. And they said, yeah, you know, think about that. We haven't done it now or whatever. And he said, should they just release some recently? Nice. So he's like, I don't know, maybe I was, uh, I'm like, yeah. Maybe maybe. The, the little spark to he, push he, more You never know, too, you know. Well, and, and like, we're going to plug this company here. We're, we're not getting paid by them. They're just a great company. Um, Origin USA out of uh, Maine. It's uh, Pete Roberts' company along with uh, Jocko and Origin Labs. Um, they've got great stuff. I've been using their protein powder now for a while. Um, their Discipline Go, like all their supplements are great. I've got a, a I've got a ghee made by Origin. Um, I'm I'm pretty new to the jujitsu game, but I've got a I've got a regular ghee like any other you know any other gym will hand you, and I've got an Origin ghee and. And yeah, I felt both in the ten origin time, one. Ten times out of ten, I'll pick the origin ghee. You can tell sure. because like the the standard ghee feels like, and if you don't know what a ghee is, it's basically like if when you see the people doing jujitsu, um, and they're wearing like the white or black or blue or whatever color, mostly white. Um, Outfit, I guess, or whatever. Yeah, their uniform. Their uniform. That's what a gi is. Um, and and, well, and any martial arts yeah, thing you see, if they if they're wearing pajamas, it's a yeah. gi. Typically, like when I think of it, I think of the typical karate person doing karate wearing the white outfit. That's a gi. Yeah, um, and they, and, they, and they customize them depending on which discipline of martial arts you're in. The the jujitsu geese are going to be slightly different than like the taekwondo geese and and whatnot but um origin man and, and i should say they they try to accommodate each um discipline of martial arts but discipline or i'm sorry origin took it one step further and they specifically made jujitsu geese to where they they fit properly they're flexible. They they, you know, are good at moisture wicking. They don't feel like corduroy. Like yours literally feels like corduroy pants. The, the yeah, the standard one you have. Yeah, it feels like if you were to wear like a denim jacket. Like, I would not want to wrestle in a denim jacket, and the Origin gi is is great. So now here's the other thing: everything with Origin is made in America. Yep. Um, which in turn hikes the price of stuff up. Like, yeah. I'm not in any point in my life right now where I could afford or even could justify paying $200 for a pair of blue jeans. Yeah. 
it would be nice. I'd like to. I'm sure they're they're damn good jeans, but I just yeah. I'm I'm more of a twelve dollar kind of pair of jeans guy. Yeah. And I and that was one thing where, when I got to the point where I was starting jujitsu, I told my wife like if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it right. And I ordered my gi, and this was this was a while ago, and their orders were backed up because of COVID and every other reason. Um, they said you know the order is twelve weeks out, which is which is fine. Like it, it was definitely something worth waiting for. But at the same time, I wanted to train before I got here. So I, I bought a, or basically I, I agreed to sign up for so many months to get a gi through the gym I was going to. And so they provided me with the gi. And during those 12 weeks, I waited for the origin gi, and it came in like at 11 weeks or something. But basically they, they fulfilled it within the time they said they were going to. And like... I love the gym. I'm I'm happy that they provided me with the gi, but like, I will only go to that one if I absolutely have to. Like the origin gi is is awesome. Yeah, and if you don't know the story of origin, how it started and stuff, um, I don't know the specific podcast, but um, what's the owner's name? Pete Roberts. He, you probably just type it up, honestly, but he goes on Jocko Podcast and tells the story of everything, and it's it's pretty cool. It's a pretty good story. Um, kind of yeah, breaks, breaks for riches sort of type of thing. Yeah, basically, he was he was a jiu-jitsu practitioner, and he wore all these other random, you know, run-of-the-mill geese from Korea or wherever they else they do, you know, these martial arts. And he basically said, like, you know, it, it fit like a like a suit. Like you weren't supposed to wrestle in it or or do jujitsu in it. And so he came up with the idea of creating his own that actually fit so you were functional in it. And he was very adamant about all American made products, all American made manufacturing. He actually so the the, the East Coast the way he's described it was um, they were big on <clears throat> manufacturing way back when, <clears throat> but once it became more cost effective to ship these jobs overseas, all these looms where they where they wove the the cotton and the, these other blends, they shipped all these machines overseas, these huge like thousands of pound machines. They shipped them overseas to Which, other countries. Yeah, and, and to kind of cut you off here, not okay, not to cut you off, but on their website they do have a picture of the original machine that they had, and, and you'll get into this now in your story. But yeah, uh, they're very they're very proud of that one machine that they started with. So. Yeah, so this was a machine that was originally shipped overseas when all the manufacturing went overseas, and he basically said like, what would it take to bring manufacturing back to the U.S paid a lot of money to have this machine shipped back, had to find some old guy who had been in the manufacturing business back in the day and hired him on to fix this loom up and so I, that they could weave them. Again. Yeah, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, they said that he was, like, legit the only guy in America that knew how to, yep. how to run this thing and how yep. to work it. 
So we've got an awesome story. Um, just uh, I'm sure if you type it into Google, Pete Roberts, Jocko Willink, or Jocko Podcast, that it'll come up with the original podcast that this was on. Go back, listen to their story. It's what's the name, Pete? Pete Roberts, Jocko Podcast. Um, they'll they'll tell you the whole story on how this came about and how their company eventually grew from a couple of employees. Podcast ninety three. There you go. 93. Yeah. yeah and basically how it grew from that point on now, how they've expanded so much into like the origin labs where the, he's now got his bulk and his pre-workout and all these other supplements. And it's good too. That podcast is good because it really, like when I listened to it, it made me realize that like, you can pretty much do anything you want. That's what's great about America. It's like, yeah. Any idea you have for a business or something, go out there and do it. I mean, yeah, you have the freedom to do whatever you want. You know, so give it a shot. What kind of with this podcast? We're not, we're not trying to become the next Jocko podcast. Do we reference Jocko a lot? Absolutely, but that's because Jocko has, at least in my life, had a huge impact. Yeah, and. You know, if something were to take off here, great. That's awesome. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd be really happy and stoked and excited about it. But if nothing happens with it, this is still a platform for me to just say what's on my mind, get it off my chest, and just talk. I mean, just literally just yeah, talk but, about what's going on. Yeah, and it's on us and it's on you. Like, we want to – we're going to do this whether people are going to listen or not. Like – we just sit here and BS, you know, on our weekends. So, yeah, it's like, to... we do it anyway. Why not let other people experience it? Because you know, we talk about some pretty good things, I think. hope so. It's nice to, my, what I would really like is for people that are listening to, to honestly shoot some emails and questions and get it, get involved in some conversation because we've had a couple people shoot some emails, which was really nice with some questions, but that's really what I like to to be able to interact with people because then you know that they're engaged into what and you know invested to what you are um, putting out there. Yeah. 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 The more you get involved, the more you you know pitch your idea to other people, and. We appreciate everybody that has, absolutely, um, you know, told their buddies about it or said, "Hey, you know, here, here's their, here's their um, Spotify or whatever." You know, it's been very, very nice. Yeah, and like ran into a couple guys tonight in our own unit that you know didn't know we were doing this and looked us up right away and saved the pot, saved our podcast on Spotify, and hopefully they'll listen to it. So. Thank you guys for jumping in on this. Um, hopefully, you know, we, we don't have a whole lot of episodes yet. Um, so hopefully you have time to go back to the beginning and, and start from, you know, our original idea on episode one. And Yeah, and if anybody has, you know, well, which episode should I listen to? You know, just start at the beginning and there's no. Yeah, it, you, you could listen to it in any order. And, and yeah, there's no be right. coinciding yeah. thing. Like we, we reference previous podcasts in our current ones 
So like, obviously it's gonna it's gonna help to start on one, but if if you want to start anywhere, start here. Um, I, I I don't know. Some of them have had more listeners than others, but like I don't know. I I think hope my hope is that everybody gets something out of each podcast, whether it's couple words or, or, or a lesson or, or, or whatever it is. Yeah, that or um, when we reference a Jocko podcast, maybe you go listen yep. to that, you know, and then you get something out of that. Because what is the point of, you know, not sharing? I guess, why wouldn't I talk about Jocko podcast? Yeah, if, 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 if something, if something, if we've found something in our lives that have helped us out and make us better people. Like we're going to share it. It doesn't matter where it came from. Mm-hmm. That's why we've mentioned Jocko in the past. We've mentioned Jordan Peterson in the past. Like these are guys that influence to hopefully become better human beings. And obviously there's going to be controversies with whoever you're going to talk about, but you know what? Everybody's going to have a lesson you can get out of them. And if you're willing to look, past the BS, what other people are going to say about them and actually just, just listen to them and see what their message actually says. You're going to get something out of it. That and, and take, you know, I'm trying to call the word this, take your own opinion, like you use your own opinion on something like whether it's, Whatever aisle of the political spectrum you fall under, it shouldn't matter, red or blue or green, whatever. It's if somebody's got a good point, they got a good point. It doesn't matter what you know. And that's that's part of the problem today too. Is well, two party system is whatever. But so many people are only. I mean, they're a Republican or I'm a Democrat. There's no when yeah. in, when in reality, both of them have good points, both of them have bad points. Well, and, and, and we have to find a middle ground if we're going to succeed. There's going to be, if, if, you, if you actually listen to both sides, you're going to find out that we have a lot more in common than what, say, you know, corporate media is going to portray. Well, like they, they say, it's easier to control a divided, yep. divided group than yep. a one united nation. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually pitching this to like uh, uh, not pitching it, but I was trying to teach this lesson to my my kids and my students um, that you know the the leadership class in any nation is a very small minority, and if and and, and they want to control like that's what they're there to do. They're they're there to run and control whatever group of people they're in charge of. And if we're willing to get past the divisiveness of one side versus the other, if you actually look at what we agree on, it's going to be a majority of the issues. You may, you know, you may be pro-life, you may be pro-choice, you may be pro-LGBT, you may be anti-LGBT. Whatever your stance is, we actually agree on a lot more than than the media, than our leaders are willing to admit to, because the, they're, 
they understand that if they're willing, if they're able to divide us, if they're able to, you know, plant these seeds in our heads that we're going to be against our own people, that's not helpful. And it makes it easier on their part to then control us. So if we realize that we actually have a lot more in common than they're willing to admit, then they, they start, the control starts to slip away from them and back to the people like this government was originally set up to be. I just pulled it up here. Because George Washington is the one that said that, uh, <clears throat> uh, yes, the two-party system is beneficial at times, but um, it's also not good because it has a tendency to distract the government from their duties and can create unfounded jealousies amongst groups and regions. So you can see that in this day and age. Um, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's urban versus rural. It's black versus white. It's mm -hmm. rich versus poor. It's it, always they're, two they're, people they're, against. They're, yeah, they're always pitting you against each other in order to gain control because somebody's going to pitch for the rich. Somebody's going to pitch for the poor. Somebody's going to pitch for the minorities. Somebody's going to pitch for the majority. And if we can get past that and realize that, hey, we're better off if we focus on us as a nation. We're better off on focusing on, you know, what, you know, our, 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 uh, I'm blanking on Going off of that, what I, what irritates me and, like I have a German heritage, so I'm proud. I'm proud of that. You know, like great grandparents or great great grandparents migrated from Germany, um, but I don't say. I mean, I'm proud of that heritage. You know, so it's in my blood. But I don't say I'm German American. Right. I'm an American. Yeah. That's why I don't like how the media always always makes it out to be. Oh, you're. Spanish or Hispanic American or you're African American or this or that. Yes, you have that heritage. That's awesome. Take pride in that. But in my eyes, you're an American first. Yep. And that's what you need to really take pride in because no matter what color skin you have or what, what background you have, you're an American and you bring a lot to the table in America. So I, I, I think that's where like like I said, Jordan Peterson gets a bad rap, but he says, put your house in order before you seek to fix the world. Like if you're not willing to fix your own household, your own community, your own state, your own nation, how are you going to look bigger than that? Yeah. If we are, and, and, and the American people is the most generous people in the history of this world. If we are willing to fix ourselves at a local level and then at a national level, we can help fix the world. Yeah. But if we're causing chaos and disorder here and then we go into another country, they're going to say, well, you can't you're even, all fucked you up. Why, why should we even listen to you? Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's that's a good point to end. I think. Yeah. Because I mean, that's you know, and we're not here to push a political agenda one way or the other, but we are here to push a pro-American lifestyle, yeah. a pro-American nation, and, and that's part of what we've gotten away from is is taking pride in in America, and, and now it's all about every other thing that's not American. Uh, one world. But what's funny? World people. Is all of that makes up America? Yeah, you know, Americans are all made up of that. So, you know, it, it is what it is. It's it starts with you and starts with me and it starts with the family. Yeah, take care of your family. Once that's taken care of, start to reach outward. It's kind of our theme tonight, I think. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I've. I had a very good time tonight. I think this was a very successful podcast. It was, oh, yeah. it was good. It felt very natural. Um, again, reach out to us, please. Send comments. Uh, improves. Um, sustains. You know, we'll go the whole right. Give us, give us an AAR. Give us a rundown yeah, of yeah. how we're doing. How's that, that sound? If you, an AR stands for after action report, which basically means if you don't know, which most of you probably do, but if you don't, um, you go do something and you come back and say, all right, what was supposed to happen? What did happen? What yep. can we do to fix it? Yep. Um, what, what, are, what are the takeaways? What are the lessons from this? Uh, yeah, so shoot us some feedback. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your uh, Questions, anything like that. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't really know what else. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And uh, oh, I got one more plug. Yeah, yep. I, yeah, just real quick plugs. So tonight we plugged uh, Fronts Box again. Great organization. I keep saying organization. Great business. Uh, Origin USA, and. Obviously, your book. We, we yep. got to plug the book. Yeah, I'll throw that out one more time. Um, yeah, um, you got the Kickstarter, too. So we really got a few more days on the Kickstarter, but... Yeah, it, it, and it, honestly, like, it started out good. I thought we thought I was going to um, continue that way. It's kind of stalled in the last week or so. Um, I've still got, I don't know, how, however many days, nine, ten days on it. Um if if you want to help um, promote promote my book and help it go forward, um, I love I love for you to support that. Um, if not, if, if 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 I don't make it through this campaign, um, I'll definitely be starting up another one because I want I've gotten a lot of great feedback from family and friends people who have read um, the first portions of this book. I would um, say not even just family friends either. It's been. Yeah. Just, just any, anybody who's heard of it. Cause now I've gotten a lot of outside people who've come in and said like, Hey, this is, this is interesting. I'd, I'd like to see this. Um, how can we help? And uh, so if, if you can help support the campaign, uh, check me out on Kickstarter. Um, the Last of a Dying Breed fictional book is what it's labeled as. Um, you can go on there. You can check it out. 
Um, like I said, if, if this one doesn't make it, I'll start up another one. Um, I may, I may shoot for a lower number just, just to try to get this book off the ground. I'd, I'd love to get this out to people. Um, like I said, the feedback I've been getting is great. Um, I hope that it's everything that it's projected to be. Um, I would love to be able to share this as this creative aspect of my life. Um, and if this becomes something, I would love to be able to write full time. I'd love to be able to do, you know, a continuation of this story. I'd love to do spinoff stories. Um, but you know, either way I'm going to write this, but if you want to see it, like I would love to have your support in moving this forward. So any little bit that you can help out would be great. If you can support me financially, that'd be awesome. More importantly, if you know other people that would be willing to help out financially, that'd be great. Um, so get get this out there. Um, try to help me get my book, you know, to you. I um, I've got I've got benefits on the Kickstarter page where if you you know um, are willing to donate so much to this project that i will i'll uh you get rewards for it basically yeah it's like yep. a tier system so yep you get, you know the more you donate the better the tier um but it, it's still awesome and like we said you don't have to donate anything the biggest thing is getting this thing out there uh um, yeah it's gonna be one hell of a book i'll tell you that right now okay. i i haven't heard anything out of the god i i've heard Probably, me personally, 25 people that I've heard of that have said that this is just an incredible book so far. So it's going to be worth it. Definitely check it out. Um, Joe's putting a lot, of, a lot of time into this, and it's a lot of heart and soul into this thing. So keep, uh, keep an eye out as soon as this takes off we're gonna have it out for him or for you guys and yeah yeah so again just want to thank you guys who've, who've already pledged money towards my campaign um i'm 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 trying to put forth enough money that i can get this out to as many people as possible um, obviously, I've got people helping me out with illustration, with editing, with all this stuff. I still have to choose a publisher I want to go with. Um, I'm trying to self-publish this campaign so that I can keep the rights to this because um, I think that if you're going to create something that you should, you know, you should you should be rewarded for it and. Like he said, I put a, a lot of heart and soul into this. Um, it's something I've been kind of formulating for a few years now and have finally got together enough to put onto paper. Um, if this becomes something, if this becomes something big, that'd be great. I would, like I said, I would love to be able to do this full time. Um, but really I'm doing this for me and if, if people want to tag along and they enjoy this that'd be awesome but i was gonna say um you're gonna to want to say that you were here during the kickstarter times 
yeah. when this becomes a New York Times bestseller. But yeah, goddamn. There you go. Ed. I was sitting here when this was just a Kickstarter. They had ten dollars on it, and I put in twenty-five bucks. You know. Yep. And and yeah, get your first edition copy. Get your signed copy. Get your get all your bonuses. Yeah, that if you're really feeling out. froggy. Get yourself written in as a, as a character. On the book. Yeah. So that 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 was just kind of a a crazy thing I threw out there. So there, there's, I've got a couple of tiers that are they're asking for a lot of money, but um, in the end, crazier things have happened. And if somebody wants a main role or 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 a, a secondary role in my book, I'm willing to write you into the story. Because um, it, it, for those of you who don't know it, I, I'm kind of writing this in first person as like a, a fictional, like what I'd imagine I would like to be. So if you would like to be written into the book, um, I'm more than willing to do that for, for the right price. And um, that, I don't want to make this about money. I've, I've got a lot of my friends like, like Chris here written into the book already, but there's definitely... Um, the roles for anyone else who would like to join in to be written into this book. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope, I hope this is interesting enough that it can well spark some interest. It's an interesting book and it's got layers. It's got as, layers. as my man echo would say. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, again, check it out. Enough plugs, enough and, podcasting. I think, and, 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 and just to throw this out there, I've already started the idea for the second book. I've already got all the ideas in place to write the second second book on this. So um, there will be more to come. We'll just say that. Good. So, so yeah. Uh, again, hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um, yeah, as I'm babbling for one night. So. Yeah, enough. I think so. Hey. Thanks for joining us on our journey here. And uh, from Chris and Joe, this is Two Mics Out. Sure, Two Mics Out.